Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everybody. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we'd like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose and our series on the life. And once again, if you're keeping score at home, it's program number 13, and it's on Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 5,000. Before we get into discussion, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for, once again, the opportunity to come and to look at your word, look at your ways, look at how you treat people and how you um, approach situations. And it's always for um, the best of each one of us. And we pray that you will help us to communicate that now and be with everybody who's listening and, and be with us as we discuss your ways. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, uh, as we've been studying and, you know, we, we did a program on uh, parables and object lessons and these stories that we've been studying as we study the life of Jesus and we find out as we study them that most of these real life things were actually, they happen in real life, but they're actually metaphors of something great, greater and larger. In other words, like the feeding the 5,000. 5, what, what is feeding 5,000 people? What would that be a metaphor for? Because it really happened, but how could it be a living metaphor? Well, it's, it's because Jesus is the bread of life, right? The, that's a metaphor as well, right? right. So the feeding of the 5,000, the bread, we're talking about him, him being the spiritual bread, the bread of life. What what do you do? Uh, let's see. So when you're hungry. When, when do you eat? Yeah, I was going to yeah, ask when the When you're hungry, right? When you're hungry. Right. So if, uh, and, and do you have to, do you always eat stuff, do you eat stuff you don't like to eat? I always try to eat what I like. Sometimes mm. maybe I shouldn't be eating what I like. Okay, but, but okay, well, <laughs> but why yes. do, okay, why do you eat what you, how do you learn to like what you're eating? By eating By it. By eating it. Right. Right? Right. So Sometimes so, I got to stop eating something because even though I like it and it, it tastes good, it's it, not necessarily good for me. Why does it taste good? Because the way it You've tastes. been eating it. <laughs> right. See, right? Right. Have you ever had- condition to it. Have you ever had a nice, red, juicy strawberry, and it's one of those that's like perfect? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Take a bite and you can't beat that. What happens if you eat a piece of chocolate? right before you eat that strawberry. Well, Does the it, strawberry, it, it diminishes the it natural turns flavor. turns bitter, doesn't it? Right. Well, it diminishes the natural flavors of right. the fruit. So what if you get used to eating the real chocolate. rich chocolate? Do right. the strawberries taste good? What do you crave? You're going to crave the chocolate. You crave what you right. eat, right? And so we have... And, and, and so why is that? It's because the chocolate was created with the... Like ten times or more. Yeah, way much more sugar than a person needs. So, what it is is it 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 
overstimulates parts of the brain, which causes addiction, which we know, and onward and onward. But what I, where I wanted to get to was this is how you acquire a taste. I don't acquire a taste for the Bible by reading Playboy magazine, do I? No. But what would I re- acquire a taste for? Reading by doing Playboy. That? Yeah, exactly. See, and so um, once again, the feeding or the eating or, or the, the assimilation of what we're eating, because once again, when we eat something, we assimilate it into our body if we eat real physical food. Mm-hmm. When you partake of the bread of life, are you also assimilating that into your spiritual body? Right. Yeah. Right. So today's program's based on what, Susan? It's based on Matthew 14, 13 through 21, Mark 6, 32 through 34, Luke 9, 10 through 17, and John 6, 1 through 13. Okay, good. So let's, let's dive in, okay? Okay. The Passover was coming up and from far and near, bands of travelers that were on their way to Jerusalem gathered to see Jesus. More and more gathered as they traveled until there was about 5,000 men assembled beside all the women and the children. Jesus was in a boat, and before he reached the shore, a huge number of people were waiting for him. Can you imagine what that looked like? Yeah, because we're talking when it says feeding the 5,000, that was the 5,000 men. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay probably double that for the women and then add another one or two children per family. Right. And you can you can imagine what that looked like. So from the hillside he looks over at all these people and I imagine his his heart was probably stirred with sympathy. The Bible says he was moved with compassion towards them because they were as a sheep, as sheep with not having a shepherd. He you know, and he found a convenient place uh there where he could minister to them. And I think one of the main things is that they hadn't received help from the priest and the rulers, but the healing waters of life just flowed out from Christ as he taught everybody about the plan of salvation. So you, can you imagine being there listening to those words of mercy? Um, a total different message than what they'd heard when they heard when they'd gone to church before. They hear his words were very simple. You know, the object lessons that he's taught about the sower went forth to sow or the pearl of great price or all these very simple things. Right. I heard once somebody, a a pastor or preacher once say that um, when Jesus spoke, you never had to run home to get your dictionary to understand the meaning of what he said. It was always very plain and simple. And it was, you know, probably the most profound things that were ever taught were taught by him and they were so simple. You didn't, like you say, you didn't have to consult a... um, uh, a doctor of theology, you didn't have to consult, you, know, you know, just had to listen. So, right. so, so that's good news for us that haven't had the um, any uh, extensive biblical training. God's word and God's principles are able for it's 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 open to everyone. Yeah. There's no requirement of having you know to to belong to a certain group to understand what Christ is trying to teach us. Yeah, if he's with fishermen, he talked about fish. Right. If he was with the shepherds, he talked about sheep. If he was with the farmer, he talked about farming. So he made it real simple mm-hmm. for everyone and mm-hmm. and spoke in there. You know, and then of course they're all there and and they they know that he, he was healing. They know that he was he had given life to the dying and health to those who, who were suffering from disease. So you got this complete package of God in human flesh 
It must have been all inspiring to be there. Absolutely. It must have seemed like it was heaven on earth to them, and they probably weren't even thinking how long they had been there or how long it had been since they had anything to eat. But everyone was hungry, and the disciples finally came to Jesus asking for their own sake uh, that the people should be sent away. And, you know, many had come from far and hadn't eaten anything since the morning, and in the surrounding towns and villages they might be able to buy food. But Jesus says... Give ye them to eat. And then turning to Philip, he asked him, he said, uh, he questioned him, and whence shall we buy bread that these may eat, Philip said. And he said, this may be, I don't know, maybe he was testing the faith of Philip or whatnot. But Philip, get the, I mean, he's standing there and he's looking over about 15,000 people. <laughs> Jesus, right. You know, and Jesus says, let's feed them. You know, right. and, and Philip's thinking, well, how are we going to do that? I don't that? even have food. How yeah. am I going to feed them? Yeah. So Jesus asked, well, how much food can be found amongst the crowd? And Andrew came up and said, there is a little little boy here, and he has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many people? So Jesus asked that they be brought to him, and he told the disciples to sit everybody down on the grass in parties of 50 or 100 just to preserve order and that everyone there might be able to witness what he was about to do. And, you know, God is a God of order. He's not the author of confusion. And so in Christ's act of supplying the necessities of a hungry crowd, there's a deep spiritual lesson for all of his people. Jesus received from the Father, then he gave to the disciples. They gave to the multitude and the people to one another. So everyone who's united to Christ will receive the bread of life from him, the heavenly food, and then to share it to others. So you can see the, the, the order of events, how it went. Right. Jesus prayed to the Father, and it went right down the line to everyone sharing with one another. Right, and there's the metaphor for us today is to see how, you know, Jesus came to the multitude of people that were um, spiritually starving, and they needed to be fed physically as well as um, for their soul health. And it's through the receiving from the Father that we, too, can share that. Yeah. And, and so it was interesting because when everybody was seated, Jesus took the food and looking up to heaven, he blessed, he broke, and he gave the loaves to the disciples, disciples to the multitude, and they all did eat, and they were filled. And when they took up, then they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fishes. So, and I, I would imagine, no doubt, that there were mothers with babies in their arms and little children climbing on their skirts. So many, as well as the men, many people must have been standing for, for quite a while there listening to Jesus. And so that orderliness is, is a big deal. Yeah, you know, and they, they probably were listening very intensely and interested in Jesus' words, you know, that they might not even thought of sitting down. The crowd was so large anyway. So Jesus would give them a chance to rest, and he asked them to sit down. And there was plenty of grass in the area, and so they all could rest in comfort. Right. Um, It's interesting that Jesus gave them a really simple meal. Um, He could have passed out any type of food, right? Mm -hmm. But he didn't, Jesus never tried to attract people to him by gratifying the desires for luxury. Pull out, he didn't pull out Snickers bars. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and to that crowd who was exhausted and hungry after the long, exciting day, a simple me- meal was just an, was an, an assurance of not only his power, 
but of his tender care for them and the common needs of life. I think sometimes, um, you know, we we want more than probably what is best for us. And so it's just like, you know, when Rich and I got married and we were uh, provided a small piece of property and I always thought that I wanted a big house, you know, at least a house with it, you know, like I grew up in. It was it was a modest house, but it had, you know, a f- living room and a dining room, so it was it was quite large, um, about two thousand square feet. And so when we found out that it that our house was going to be limited because of the county ordinances, I was a little bit disappointed because they said it had to be under twelve hundred square feet. Right. And, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe 15, but no, it had. And so I thought, wow, that's kind of small. And let me tell you today, I'm extremely happy that, that we have such a small house because practically, you know, the smaller the house, the less housework you have to do, right? The less upkeep there is. And yeah. I think that that God knew that, you know, I didn't need a bigger house. Yeah, no. And uh, I think as as we recall, I know, I don't know about you, but it's the simplest simplest of times that, that uh that I remember as the best. You right. know what I mean? So we, when we moved into our house, we didn't we we had borrowed the money for to build the house and way back when it was a hundred and I think thirty six thousand dollars or something like that. Well we had no money for furniture. Yeah. And we had no money for window coverings. Had sheets in the windows. Right, yeah. yeah. That. And that's just kind of, you know, and we we were thankful because people we knew blessed us with some used furniture and some of it we still have today. Yeah, I can think of some hikes we went on when all we pulled out was a jam sandwich. We jammed two pieces of bread together, <laughs> That's right? right? Yep. Or or a, or a simple bag of peanuts, and mm-hmm. I, I can thinking right now a Crystal Lake Trail where we sat on a rock, and we both had a bag of peanuts for lunch. Right. And that's all you know. And it's it was just the setting and everything was simple. Right. I, now I remember some good. Meals at Ruth's Chris, don't get me wrong. Right. But what I'm saying is those simple times are right. are sometimes, and I would imagine that this time here stuck in those people's mind of, of just some bread and well, some fish. And I think that, you know, God's um, principles are practical as well. So it's, it, he, I think he teaches us that, you know, when, when we eat, we're supposed to be eating to fuel our body, not just to... Um, to get our to yaw-yaws. fill our, yeah. our our senses right yeah. and, and indulgence. So, um, well, and remember, Jesus never promised anybody the luxuries of this world. Right. He's promised that that which is far better than worldly good, the long lasting comfort of His own presence. You know, to be able to sit inside your own skin and be okay with yourself without having to lie to yourself about your own life. Right. You know, I mean, I I know with me, man, if I if I'm not honest with him um, and I have a little trouble sitting inside my own skin, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's he promises that as long as we're open and honest with him. Right. And I think a lot of times the world can teach us that you've got to have more, you've got to have oh, yeah. bigger and you've got to strive, strive, strive. And it, it seems like, you know. Um, it's the more modern the world becomes, the the more crazy it seems to get. Yeah, I mean, look at Solomon. I tried this, that, and the other thing, and none of them got me anywhere. Everything's vain because right. I still can't sit inside my own skin. And there's and the other thing is there's there's nothing new under the sun. Nope. It's all been done and tried we, before. We've tried to numb ourselves with something outside of ourselves for right. so long. So you look at the majesty of the. Creator of the universe, Jesus, and he comes in that humble 
yeah. vestige, and it comes as a baby and then lives a life of very humble means. Yeah. And he says, you know, this is what the kingdom's like. Yep. This is what the kingdom is like. Yep. So in feeding the 5,000, Jesus lifted the veil of the world um, of nature, and he reveals that the power is constantly exercised for our good. What he was showing is that he feeds the entire world. You know, you and I, we can prepare the soil, sow the seeds, or plant the plants, but it's the life that comes from God that causes that seed and that plant to grow and to give us um, food. It's God's rain, the air, the sunshine that causes it to come forth. And like in Mark 4, it says, first the blade, then the air, and after the full corn. Okay, so how, how does that work? Well, we put in the effort, right? So do we need do we need to know how this the how this the seed germinates? No. No, we just need to know it does when we water it. Right. We just need to know if we give it the proper conditions, mm-hmm. it can grow. Right. We also know that if we don't, uh, you know, you want to grow something nice if you don't tend to it, then you can get choked weeds. out by weeds or or dry Die up, from, and, right. right? We don't need to know how it grows. We just need to know to do the things that encourage the growth. The growth is still a miracle, and that's the same thing spiritually. As long as we continue to do those things to encourage our growth, we don't need to know how we're growing. Mm-hmm. We just need to know that we are, right? And, and there's, will happen, right? And there's there's signs just like in growing in nature that you can see that there's good conditions for certain growth and at certain times of years and then the rest of the year it isn't right. so like right now in the valley of sacramento it's really hot yeah and tomatoes will produce beautiful tomatoes but if it gets really hot and doesn't cool in the day they kind of just stop yeah and so it's those times that we look at that and we can say in our own lives well you know is there too much heat going on in my life is that why i don't have that spiritual growth it doesn't mean that i'm not growing it just means that the conditions seem like i'm not growing that's a good point because the plant is still alive right right it, it, yeah that's a good point and also we can get dehydrated can't we spiritually a- absolutely yeah when when, when things are hot Mm-hmm. And we can get dehydrated. So it seems like it, right now in, in Earth's history, things are like we're going through this. We're getting a little up. dehydrated. Yeah, we're going through a heat stroke. Yeah. You bet. And yeah. Uh, it's, now is a time when we need to really buckle down and to be able to trust God and to know that he's there, know that he's growing that in our hearts. Right. You know, even though we may not see things, we we got to trust and know that he's there because it's during the times when we think he's not that he really is there. Sure. You know, and we're called to cooperate with him in the care of everything, not lose sight of him, even though it looks like it's all breaking loose. You know, I mean, our orchard requires hard work, does it not? It does. What were we talking about on the way here? The, the, I don't want to say. The, well, there there was a movie a long time ago called Caddyshack <laughs> about the guy. He was he was going after that. Well, I don't know what it was. was it was it, a ground squirrel. Was I it think. a ground or a, no? It was some other varmint. gopher, a varmint, or whatever. Yeah. Well, Susan's out there. She's got all these ground. Well, they're gray squirrels, but they're and the birds are are taking and our the fruit. Turkeys and, the... and yeah, and so we can't even go for a walk without her just going. No, oh, there's another one. I'm gonna go get it. So it's kind of it's comical to watch, but. Um, you know, the devil's that way. Right. 
if you're not on guard, he'll he's going to come in. He pops in, up he in another area of your another life, area, you right? Know? And starts to eat the good fruit that that has been produced exactly. in your life. And you wake up and you're like, "Wow, I've just got holes all over in my whole head." You yeah. know, yeah. Orchards require hard work, and so does our spiritual orchard. It requires hard work. It requires weeding the garden, the mind of the weeds, mm-hmm. keeping it watered. Don't let it get dehydrated. Right. You know, Keeping the enemies out. Yeah, feeding that feeding that spiritual nature. Jesus is the bread of life. And knowing right? where your enemies are. Yeah. You know, knowing that at, at times there are people that are going to come into your life, and at certain times they may be an enemy to your growth, and at other times it may not be. Mm-hmm. So just being spiritually aware. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times I don't think that we give God the glory that's due him. It's only by um, him functioning his power um that uh, and what he does is what is what helps us to be who we are. Mankind is glorified sometimes in the place of God. I mean, even though I mean, even we can think that we do things by our own oh. power, but it's really him that provides all of the blessing and all the power to do anything good. Right. Yep. True happiness is an inside job, and when we give God the credit, it does something inside us. It changes us. That is that's where you get the fruits of the Spirit. Because there's difference between gifts and fruits. Mm-hmm. The Bible in nowhere says you will know them by their gifts. Right. Gifts are gifts. You may be very talented, but but that, doesn't not, that does not mean you still have the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, Love joy, joy, peace, peace tenderness. Those are not gifts. Those are fruits. Right. And those fruits come from tending that garden and being close to God, and then the fruits come. Mm-hmm. You know, they come at their own time. At, the, at their time, not our time, you know, uh, gifts are a whole nother thing. Gifts are talents that we can use to further the gospel, but in order to treat people uh, with dignity and respect and right. love it, and a, kindness and patience, that's an inside job. Right. It's a whole lot more than just a gift yeah. or a talent. It truly is needing to have that change of heart in yep. order to be able to put self aside and, uh, and put someone in front of you. And that's the only that can only be given from God and from the Holy Spirit. Right. And um, I just, I, I'm thankful that um, for this story because the same way that those people were fed and they gave to each other, it, it, it satisfied their soul in order that they were to sh- be able to share with others. And you know mm-hmm. when they left that place, they had to have just been amazed and refreshed and and went out and shared the story of Jesus and his words in the way that, that he had truly cared for their Spiritual needs as well as physical. Needs. I mean, can you imagine him walking away, going, "Well, not only that, but you know what? He raised that that guy's daughter from the dead too. You know, oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what? I he he healed ten lepers too. You know, you can imagine what they were talking about on the way. Um, you know, when they left there, and it was that personal experience they had with him. So after they were done, Jesus said, "Gather up all the fragments too," mm-hmm. which is interesting because uh, nothing goes you know, to nothing waste. goes to waste in His world, does it? No. Um, the contents of the back baskets were distributed among the crowd, and they carried it away. And then, you know what? Those contents told a whole nother story whenever they went somewhere else. Right. So wherever you, whatever you dine with Christ, and you take leftovers with you to mm-hmm. share with others. Right. You ever, you ever take? She brought home leftover pizza last night. It, you know, had too many jalapenos on it, but it was still leftover pizza, and it told about the day she had and where she went. 
and where she picked the pizza up and what she did the day during the day, you know, and so then we had it at night and talked about the day. It's the same thing with your spiritual walk with God, you mm-hmm. know. If you're partaking of that that bread of life, you're having mm-hmm. a meal with him, share that meal with someone else. Absolutely. And and you can't help not do that because that's what's filling your mind. And I think that's the thing. We fill our bellies. We should be filling our minds yeah. with that spiritual food. Yeah. And so we talked about the metaphor of feeding the 5,000 and all the tentacles of that metaphor, you know, about breaking him, getting it from the Father, the miracle that happens, him giving it to the disciples, disciples giving it to the people, and the people giving it to the you know, and there's the they, metaphor there. Right. There's a metaphor of the spiritual the nature being. There's a metaphor of the assimilation, as partaking of the uh, the bread of Christ and assimilating that into your character. All of these these metaphors of a real life story. That's the wonderful thing about the Bible. It just means so many different things in so many different ways. Uh, folks, if you want to get a hold of us, you can give it a give us a call at nine one six six four five one two nine seven. Or visit our website, www.justasiamministries.com. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.